Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Second hour here on the Fan Midday Show. I'm Will Haskett. Jimmy Cook along for the ride as he always is to keep me on the rails whenever I start coming up with crazy questions like does coaching in the NBA matter. <laughs> that was a, kind of a joke. Led to a, led to a good conversation. We just were up against it. We'll continue it. We'll play it a little bit. It got a laugh out of Gwen. I think it did. Yeah, Gwen, <laughs> Gwen's having a hilarious time <laughs> over here. Uh, another guy having a good time today is over at Pacers center watching a couple of workouts today more players in he covers the pacers as the beat writer for the annapolis star dustin tapiric is with us hi dustin how are you doing good about yourself i'm doing great i want to give you the platform though because i know you and a lot of your brethren at the star have taken a social media about the bylines and stuff and i'm all in the interest of making sure that those hard workers in the media get the representation and the fairness that's going on tell us about what's going on as you guys continue to, to fight for what's right yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. Thanks so much. I mean, I'm not uh, like on the bargaining committee or anything like that, so I don't want to overstep my uh, bounds here. But obviously, it's just been uh, way too long since uh, since we've had a, a contract uh, with Gannett. So obviously, a lot of us are withholding uh, our bylines uh, in in pursuit of that. And there's a lot of a lot of people that are closer to it that are doing a lot more uh, good work on on making sure that happens. But obviously, I think it's just obviously been uh, you know just unfair for years for how this has been put together. So a lot of us are just trying to make as much of a stand as we can, um, sure that it's going to be more uh, coherent. Uh, message out from our uh, our union leader Jenna Watson and, and some other people uh, at the Indianapolis News Guild, um, but uh, but that's what we're going to do in, in, in push in hopes that this is going to turn into something better. And not only are we, um, I, we know we're doing our, our byline withholding protest, and also at, uh, several other Gannett newspapers uh, are striking just in, in hopes that this company does a better job of, uh, of running its newspapers. And I think it's really important for for local lo- basically local journalism. Journalism is incredibly important for uh, just the continuation of democracy and. and it's important that these papers get, uh, you know, these journalists get well taken care of and get uh, paid and taken care of for, for what they do for their communities across the country. So uh, just in solidarity of all that. Yeah, well said. Journalism matters, especially here locally. I've lived here all 42 years of my life. The Indianapolis Star has been a part of my life and it's a part of my information source. So guys like Dustin and, and all of his peers in the industry, it's it's important that they are being compensated fairly so that they can do the work that we need them to do, like telling us how does Trace Jackson Davis's three-point shot look? <laughs> it looks pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> straight to the most important matters that we uh, deal with journalistically. No, um, I, I mean apparently I had a good day. I think um, on without uh, us having to ask, uh, the most interesting we heard was not actually from Trace. It was uh, from uh, I think it's how you say his name, Azulis Tabellis, the big man from Arizona that was also there as part of the workout. Uh, you know, obviously he you know he was the other big man there, so he had to guard Trace, and he was like, you know, Trace hit a couple shots in my face today. A couple of threes in my face were like, all right, well, that's noticeable. Um, you know, we got the, we, we don't get to see uh, the full workout. They kind of let us in at the end, and we get to see them kind of uh, shooting around a little bit. That's the most actual basketball we get. Um, so we're kind of relying on 
those guys to tell us how the other ones looked and how they thought they looked. Uh, but apparently he was out there, you know, legitimately taking some three-point shots, which is, you know, pretty important. I mean, I think, um, you know, I, I don't know if, and I even asked Trace this question, if he thinks he's going to be viewed more as the power forward as a small ball center, because obviously he functions as a center entirely at Indiana, and, and that will make a difference for who, who views him how. Uh, and he just said, you know, I, I think I just got to prove myself to be a basketball player. But either way, obviously at this point, uh, you got to be able to show some level of, it's important to show some level of shooting range. Obviously, you get by not shooting threes if you're a phenomenal rebounder or shot blocker, if you're just a really big guy. Um, but, uh, you know, most, even five men at this point, have to prove they can shoot threes. Jokic obviously can, and B can, Carl uh, Anthony Towns can, some of the, the best other centers in the league can shoot threes. Um, and it seems like he's he's clearly taking it seriously and has been taking it seriously for years. It's something that he's been working on, even if it hasn't shown up uh, in games with IU. And, uh, you know, he, he knows this is something he's going to be judged on, so he's clearly working on it. And he's showing he can at least hit it from there. I mean, um, how well he can hit when defended, I don't know. Um, it seems like Tabellus was at least kind of in his face. Um, but uh, he seems to have some level of halfway decent shooting stroke. I don't know if he's ever going to be a great shooter, but is he at least showing to some of these teams that he is capable uh, of hitting the occasional three-pointer. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Dustin, there's a conversation from outside of the Pacers' purview about how many of these draft selections they're actually going to wind up making. Obviously, they have a number of them, including 26 and 29 in the first round. Trace has been as high as 24, 23 in some spots. Is there a legitimate thought process here that if they were to keep a majority of those two picks in 26 and 29 after the seventh overall selection, they could use one of those on Trace? Yeah, I mean, you can't rule it out I mean, to, to the point. It's, 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 uh, as much as it's external, it's also internal. I mean, Kevin Pritchard has come out this and said uh, to us multiple times, I don't intend to ring in five rookies. Um, basically, so he's going to try to move those picks. And he just said, you know, there's, it, that's just too many. He said, you know, you can, they kind of cannibalize each other. Uh, it, just the amount of time, the amount of development they can have. Um, when you bring in too many at once, it's a lot. And when you already talk about a team that's very, very young to start with, um, you know, with just uh, so many guys in that team are 25 or under, you, if you stack on five more, uh, that's going to be a lot. So he's been just very explicit about wanting to move those picks and then trying to package those into something different. I think, I mean, I, I, I would say it, it, it is legitimate just in the sense that he fits down there towards that part of the draft. Um, the thing that would obviously turn them off of him is that they already have uh, several other guys that, that fit a similar mold, um, you know, with, especially with Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson. Um, you know, this year they had a hard time getting minutes for, for those guys, especially when they got Daniel Tice back healthy. Uh, they only played Tice for seven games, but even then there was a pretty significant uproar even among the fan base of like, why are you playing this guy when you've got to get minutes for Jackson and Smith? Um, but, you know, so the, the couple of those guys were taking DNPs because they were playing behind Turner and so there's only so many minutes. Um, you know, if Turner's playing, you know, 30, uh, you've got like 18 minutes to split, about, split among everybody else. And it's like, okay, well, you know, th- these are young guys in need development. If you throw another guy in there, that's a lot. I mean, they had to basically give up on Goga Batadze. There was no minutes for him after those two guys. Um, so you can really overload that position. I think they're wary of that. It's it's basically a question of if if they think Trace can be a four and that's what they want him to be and believe that he can be, you know, maybe they take a chance on him. But they just did that with Jalen Smith. You know, they thought he was going to be the starting power forward this year. And after they played long enough, they're like, ah, he, he, he's 
ultimately more of a five. This is ultimately where he fits. This is what's better for them. They needed somebody who's going to be more more switchable at the four uh, defensively, um, and you know maybe it was going to be a little bit more of a of a of somebody who spread the floor, and it, that ended up being Aaron Neesmith, but he was ended up being undersized. So they need a, a power forward who's a little bit bigger, but they also need one who could definitely shoot and be kind of a playmaker in that spot. So I don't know that, that Trace is necessarily pr- proven that he can be that level before. Um, so I, I think ultimately, I think if you, if you want what's best for Trace, you'd probably root for somebody else to take him, somebody that would be uh, that, that could use a backup center and, and can play right away. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. It, it's important, I think, for the Pacers to still bring him in. One, just for the local connection. Two, you know, four or five years from now, maybe they, they will have an opening uh, that will fit him better, but I think he can get uh, in, you know, kind of a logjam uh, if the Pacers were to take him, if he ends up being more of a center than a power forward. You know, you, you again, you kind of have too many of those already, and you might have way too many if you add Trace to the mix. Dustin DePirik from the Indianapolis Star joining us here as the Pacers holding their sixth pre-draft workout today at the Ascension St. Vincent Center. Emmanuel Acott, Tyree Appleby. I saw him in college at Cleveland State. I think he, he played three different places. Man, it's been mm-hmm. a hot minute. I think he's like a six or seven year player. Anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, Jackson Davis, Chris Livingston from Kentucky, uh, Terquavion Smith from NC State, and Azulis Tabellas from Arizona. Really outside of what Cam Whitmore last week Dustin, we haven't seen a whole lot of bodies in that would fall into that seven-pick sort of realm if you're going by models and rankings and all these other sorts of things. So we know they're not going to keep all five of these picks. However, they end up packaging the late first-rounders or the early second-rounders, how much of that hinges on what they're learning from all of these workouts of guys who maybe are like, wow, you know what? We're a lot higher on this guy, so maybe sticking with one of the late first rounders might have like how much could these workouts inform what they want to do with the surplus of picks and value that they have i think you just have to look at you you have to prepare to make every pick I, I think regardless of what you want to do with them, you have to be prepared to make every pick just in case. In, in, in case you can't move it before you make it. Uh, yep. you know, maybe someone's interested uh, once you make the pick and actually get it and say, ah, you know, maybe I do like that guy. Um, I, so I think you got to be prepared for every possibility. You have to, when you're doing the draft workouts, you have to act as if you're making all of those. Uh, and, and, you know, let yourself get talked into it. Um, again, I, I don't think they want all these guys. I don't think they can, they, they, they frankly, they can't move enough spots to take this many picks, um, you know, partially because the, they've only got three free agents, and even if they let all three of them walk, and I don't think they want to let George Hill walk, um, you know, for one thing. So I think the, I think you're really looking at two, uh, and you'd have to move some other bodies. But I think they have to ultimately move Daniel Tice uh, because I just don't think there's any minutes for him, um, and I think he's still a valuable NBA player. So I think somebody uh, should pay that guy to play basketball, and I think you know the Pacers should not be the one that does it. Somebody else should pick him up, and they've got to make a move there so that might clear out a spot. Um, but you know. It, so, but you, you still have to be ready as if, okay, maybe you'll make this one, maybe you won't make this one. You know, um, maybe you only want to package two of these. You know, maybe they want at least one. They got 26, 29, and 32. Maybe they want one of those. Maybe they look at that and say, you know what, I, I, I don't need all three of those guys. You know, people at all three of those spots but ultimately you're kind of looking at the same pool uh you know in, in some way shape or form and get a sense of okay if i'm going to make only one of these uh you know who do i want uh if i'm going to make, only make two of these who do i want and so i think that's kind of what they're doing right now is just getting a better sense for the whole of that um i, I mean maybe they could get talked into pick, keeping one more if they really like somebody um i don't think that's out of the question but i mean i, I think they're prepared to move all of those but i think they also got to be prepared to make them all 
Is there a sense of the Pacers feeling pigeonholed at all with the need for a 3-and-D wing that can establish himself within this draft at 7, or do they feel they have the openness to take best available if need be? Well, I think what helps is a lot of the guys that seem to fit in that uh, tier fit that role also. I mean, there's not like, basically, it seems like everybody that you, the, the guys that you're looking at that seem to be available seem to be most, most likely to be between 4 and 10 are all between about 6, 4 and 6, 8. Uh, or six nine or something somewhere in that range. There's, you know, they they all tend to sort of fit in that. Um, so I think even if they take the best player available, that player will probably also uh, match that. I mean, I think if if you look at really uh, like the higher ceiling guys, I would say that could be available at that point would be Osar Thompson and Cam Whitmore, and they're both you know at least listed that way. I mean, I think they probably actually you know bare feet at the combine. I think they both listed like high six fives. Um, you know, six five and three quarters, or somewhere in that range. I think they're both listed at six seven. You know, Whitmore's a bigger guy at two thirty five. Uh, you know, Thompson's a little bit longer and leaner. So, I mean, th- those guys both fit, and they would be the risky best, you know, best player, most talented, high ceiling guy available uh, at that point. And then you're looking at you know, Jarris Walker and Taylor Hendricks are the guys that more directly fit uh, what you're looking for. And I think they both have pretty high ceilings uh, as well. I mean, I don't know if the Walker's as good of a scorer necessarily, uh, but I mean, Hendricks really can shoot the basketball. And Walker can shoot it okay, but they're really good defensively. Extremely switchable, can guard multiple positions, and also block shots. Um, so those are some valuable guys. I mean, I don't think you know we we asked about that. I think Scotty Agnes asked the question actually um, at the at the lottery, basically immediately after. Um, and he said, you know, I've drafted. Pritchard said, you know, I've drafted for fit before, and I've drafted best player available before, and I've been wrong both times. I've been wrong with both approaches, and wish I'd gone the other way. He said, but at seven, he said, I, I think you you need to get somebody with a high ceiling. Um, and so I think that that tells you something. And I, again, I think you know Walker and Hendricks, who might be the more safer bets, I think have high ceilings as well. Um, but I, I do think you look at it and say, okay, you know, the Pacers have not pick this high very often um, in their franchise history. I mean, like they, they picked six last year in Matherin. But before that, I don't think they picked that high since Smiths uh, in 89. And so, you know, I don't think they had somebody that was a single-digit pick somewhere between one and nine. So you have to look at it and say, this is one you really got to nail. And I, I don't think they're, – they're not going to take somebody if they think, okay, like – this guy is going to play a role and we need this role. He's going to be a power forward who plays defense and that's it. I mean, I think they need somebody that's going to make an impact on both ends one way or the other. I think, and, and that they believe can be at least, you know, they can be a really, really important starter for them for a long, long time. Dustin, we led the show sort of making this comparison between the Pacers and what they're assembling and, and what the Nuggets have built in terms of, they obviously have a superstar. I'm not saying that there's anybody on this current Pacers roster or maybe even in this draft at seven that is going to end up being what Jokic has become leading Denver. Right. But you have this this built through the draft with some veteran you know, add-ons where you have this tier, right? You have a superstar, you have a two, you have a three, a four, not by position, I'm saying just sort of an alpha order of type Mm -hmm. of players. And we don't necessarily know on this Pacers roster in two years what that power ranking of player could possibly be. And I just kind of asked the question to Jimmy, and I'll ask it to you. The Pacers didn't really have much of a problem saying, we know that it's a Victor Wembanyama's his own tier, and then you have, and then he said, well, then there's also this tier at two and three, and then we're going to mm-hmm. be in this next sort of one. And is that, 
I, I just kind of found that telling that you'd already sort of mm-hmm. say like, man, we would, you know, it'd be kind of cool if we had two and three comparative to the rest of this sort of pack. Is that just sort of managing expectations, even though you could end up still with a superstar at that pick? Or, or how does that sort of slot in to what they feel like they already have with the growth potential of this roster? Well, I think for one thing, I think Kevin Pritchard's just that honest sometimes. I mean, yeah. he, he just kind of goes. God bless him uh, for it, you like, know? <laughs> it's very it's a very stream of consciousness and you jump around. Uh, I mean, you're like, okay, like like just sort of following where he's going and it, it obviously he can't tell you everything, but he does when he's in public settings, he's he's just again, just pretty honest. So I, I don't think that was a managing expectations piece. I think he was saying, um, you know, like it was interesting because he, like, I, I don't know if it's a rule or if he just thinks it's a rule uh, or it should be a rule. He didn't mention any names, even when he was talking about Wembenyama, when everybody knew exactly what he was saying. Right. Um, but I, I think that was his way of saying, like, yeah, I do think Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller are a different tier. Um, that those guys, there's separation between them and the rest of the guys. I don't think, you know, it's like a, basically it's like if I pick three, I'm not picking anybody other than Brandon Miller or Scoot or which, whichever one's on the board. Um, you know, so I think that was that was notable just in how he views it. And I think it obviously, you know, says that like if they haven't yet, I'm sure they will um, at least kick the tires and find out, you know, what's the cost? What's Brandon Miller going to cost me? Um, to move up to three. Uh, I'm sure they're going to at least ask, um, you know, just to find out, okay, what, what would it take? Um, whether they would do it, whether they would pursue it, whether they'd give up somebody like Buddy Heald to get in there, or, I mean, like, it, it sounds like, especially if you want to deal with Portland, you've got to give up players. Like, it's not just draft picks. You can't just pack the 7, 26, and 29 and say, okay, well, I gave you equal value. I get the three. I think Portland wants somebody uh, that can play now. Um, and so it's a question of, all right, what are you willing to move there? But at least find out, okay, can I do it for Buddy Heald or do you need Miles Turner? In which case, I would think that that should be a no. Um, but who knows? You know, they'd at least find out. But I think that was just kind of his way of saying, yeah, I do think there's a tier difference. I think you feel a lot better about drafting Brandon Miller than you feel about drafting one of the Thompson twins, that there's a, that there's a difference there uh, between those those level of guys and there's still a difference between Brandon Miller and Cam Whitmore, even though they've got some similarities. Um, you know, I think that's, that, that was just him way of being really real about it. But uh, I, does it, you know, make a difference as far as, you know, wh- what he was trying to communicate to kind of Pacers fans in general? I don't know, but I think that was just him being real. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Dustin, that kind of leads me into my next question. When you look at the first two names you mentioned there and Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, in this scenario, I would think that Matherin and Halliburton are strictly off limits, but when you look at this roster and those two mm-hmm. names jump out at us, who presents the most, in theory, return on said investment or value in a trade if either one of them were being moved, whether it's for the Pacers to move up or, as Kevin Pritchard has done in the past, get creative with bringing in names that we wouldn't have thought possible otherwise? Yeah, I mean, Miles has to be the most more valuable guy because he's just, I mean, he just brings more. Uh, more total talent to the table, basically. You're a six eleven guy uh, who can shoot threes. You know who I, I think you've really seen uh, with Tyrese Halliburton, uh, his offensive game unlocked. Um, you know, especially when he's been able to play the five and do a lot of things that a five man can do, where he was kind of forced into that power forward position and being really kind of out of his element while Sabonis was there. Uh, Turner can really play the five now, and you're seeing how effective he can be. And I don't think he's a top five center, but I think he's a top ten center in the league, and I think you can kind of trust what you're going to get out of him you're going to get 
you know, like he obviously he occasionally has the games where he's not as valuable. But uh, you know, this was by far his most consistent season. It was best best shooting season, drawing a lot of fouls, scoring like scoring around the rim, scoring at the free throw line, hitting three pointers, uh, and obviously still blocking the same amount of shots that you're used to, and, and having some level uh, of switchability for a five man. So I, mean, I think he's a really valuable guy. And I think if you're the Pacers, you don't want to move him because you feel like you just made a commitment to the kid and, and he really, uh, you know, really feels safe right now. So you don't want to have his name in a lot of trade uh, rumors. You, like if you either want to do a big one uh, and, and get it over with or, you know, you want to keep the guy. So basically it's like a, if I'm not moving Turner unless I'm getting something huge uh, if, if I'm Kevin Pritchard, basically, because I think you can shake up. Um, I, I, I definitely don't want to just float him out there because I think he's been sick of having his name floated out there um and you know i think he definitely signed an extension in hopes that that would mean everybody would shut up for a while so if you're going to move him you better just do it um and you know not play around with it for a while but i mean buddy i think also commands a good bit as a floor spacer i mean again i i think turner gets you much much more and i think again uh if you're going to move turner you better get something really you know game-changing uh but i think healed you can um you know it doesn't demand as much um but i think he is important especially in this the league being what it is obviously you know spreading the floor is the most important thing uh just the way the nba teams play now and, and to do that you it's, it's really important to have a guy who's really a uh high volume hit a bunch of them three-point shooter i mean second most threes uh in total in the league this year behind only Clay Thompson. Um, and, and obviously you're seeing the guy still has a lot of staying power that way. He keeps himself in remarkable shape. All the guy wants to do in life is play basketball. Uh, apparently he had to get in a fight with Carlisle at, toward the end of the year when they made him sit out a game with the flu um, because he was like, I don't want to skip it. And they're like, well, you better not bring this in here because then we're all going to be sick. And that's that's the only way they were able to convince Buddy not to play uh, down the stretch when those games were over. Buddy's like, yeah, I, I had to get in a fight with Rick about it. I, I wanted to come in and the doctor had to tell him, like, you literally have the flu sit home <laughs> like he went to the emergency room you know apparently got off and was like well i can play and it's like no you have the flu get out of my get, get out of the locker room so that's a guy and, and and also he's beloved in that locker room too i mean and, and he's he's an interesting cat and he's not going to fit well in every locker room but he fits well in this one um and so he's on there was some level with he you know he didn't he didn't exit Sacramento very well, but him and Tyrese get along remarkably well. They're really close. You know, uh, Tyrese just went down to uh, the Bahamas with him in like I think in May uh, before the lottery, and so you know, like he, he has a lot of value for the Pacers, but he has a lot of value for other teams too. Just again because he's, uh, you know. If, He's an elite shooter at the end of the day. I mean, he's going to finish, you know, top 15, top 20 all-time in three-pointers, set the, you know, uh, Pacers record last year. Uh, he's still relevant even at 30, and you're going to get mileage out of him because the guy's going to keep himself in shape and he's going to be able to run the floor and get to his spot over and over and over again. So uh, you can get something out of him if you're another team. Uh, and you probably won't have to pay him as much. I mean, you're going to have to pay him 19.4 or something like that this year. Uh, but next season going forward, you have to think he'll probably take a little bit less. Probably too broad of a question to wrap things up for me here, Dustin, but with two and a half weeks left to the draft, what do you still want to learn from whether it's the workout process or conversations leading up to June 22nd? Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to know because it's just what's going to be there. I, I'm just going to keep tabs on whether they're going to move this thing. Um, and try to make a push to get because it seems like that's the the move on the board. It, you know, I, I don't know that it, you know if you're not moving up to three, does it make sense to move at all? Uh, that's kind of the question. It's like, well, what else are they going to move? Um, just sort of seeing what's going to be there. I, mean, I, I think I've got a pretty good sense of 
you know, where the, the different ways they can go with seven um, at this point. I mean, you know, and what could be on the board and, and um, you know, I, like I said, I think at the end of the day, the, the, the comment that Pritchard made about high ceiling tells me that I think if Whitmore or one of the Thompson twins is on the board, I think they take them. Um, but I think if, if those guys are gone and, you know, Walker Hendricks is on the, on the board at that point, I think they're perfectly happy uh, to make one of those picks. Um, but it'll just be interesting just what their long-term plan is. And then you got to remember not long after the draft to talk about the, the uh, flip over the league year. Are they going to pursue a free agent? Are they going to pursue a, a really big trade? Um, you know, what are they trying to do here? I think they are going to try to be aggressive um, and see, see what kind of pieces they can add. Um, but I'd also flip it and say that they don't necessarily have to be. Uh, I think it makes sense for them to, to kick every you know set of tires they can and find out just what it's going to cost for everything. Um, but I think, like you said, Halliburton and Thingamathurin are, are, un- are untouchable. Uh, and I think you know if, if you get a really good draft pick here, um, and you know, or, and maybe even bring in two, maybe even bring make some modest trades. Uh, I don't think they're very far from being at least a playoff team in this coming season. Dustin, final thing on my end, your overall reactions and just the, the Pacers' thoughts on another achievement in the young career of Tyrese Halliburton get to be a part of the Team USA 2023 FIBA World Cup roster. I hadn't seen that yet, but that's a big deal. I, mean, I think they're obviously ecstatic about everything um, that, that Tyrese is doing. I mean, I think the um, just everything you've seen him do this summer, I think, tells you just the degree to which that they view him as uh, the face of this franchise. I mean, I think they're, they're really trying to make him be at as visible uh, as a professional athlete as there is in Indianapolis right now. Uh, obviously, getting him down there for the uh, for the Indy 500, the test base guard, having him, him at the lottery to be there, uh, they really view him as the guy, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Just as good of a player as he is, but they also see him as a particular asset um, because of his ability to connect people, both, both with the way he plays basketball and the way he just is uh, as a person. And, and it's like, it, it really is a joy to get to know the kid. Um, you know, it, it really is. It, as far as just being able to talk to him, it's like basketball, his IQ is so high, but he's just really good at making everybody feel comfortable and making everybody feel connected uh, in that team. It, it makes for, you know, it's probably the, you know, I can't imagine there, there's ever been a more thirty more fun 35 and 47 team to cover uh, than this team was. And Halliburton's a big reason for that, just the, the you know, what he said there so they're they're ecstatic with anything that they can get him in uh that that gets him exposure that gets him to play in high level basketball um you know it's all a big deal i think and uh i think they're just, they're just ecstatic with everything all all the accomplishments that he's having it's really really just getting into that all-star tier of basketball player dustin will be reading everything in the star thanks for all your insight today Sounds good. Thank you so much. That's Dustin DePirik from the Indianapolis Star. Covers the Pacers. Again, superstar Pacers player driving the pace car. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? <laughs> what could go wrong? Part two, right? Yep. That was, we, we, we had many <laughs> laugh about that when it, when, when it was announced. But I did a nice job, though. Tyrese, but, if you're listening, it's, it's just a joke, man. I get it. Yeah. I believe in you. Don't Google Victor Oladipo. I, I do believe in you. Don't do it. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Fan Midday Show in the DriveHubler.com studios. I'm Will Haskett. He's Jimmy Cook. You have a favorite zoo animal? Tiger. Yeah, I'm a tiger guy too. Yeah. 
uh, again, the, the boys in here didn't get the memo today that was bring your daughter to work day. Um, my seven-year-old's here. We went to the zoo, which was awesome this morning. Hadn't been there in a while. They did the camp there last year, and we just went over there, killed a couple hours, and then came into the studios today. And uh, A lot of new stuff going on over there. I mean, there's always new sure. things going on, but um, I hadn't been there since now. They You enter through the butterfly exhibit, or you don't technically have to go into it. But before it was so kind of off to the side that you really had to make a point to go over there and visit it specifically. And I like kind of the nice calm walk on through there. And it was delightful. It's delightful. A lot of, um, you know, moms with three, four, five kids in tow today, and many of them younger than my seven year old here in the studio. And wow. Whoa. You know Activ- activities are man, oh all man. over the place. Yeah, Getting creative sometimes. It was some rough, there were some rough <laughs> scenes going on this morning on a Monday morning. There was definitely a case in the Mondays that were happening there. Uh, we were talking Pacers in the last segment and kind of what's going on. And uh, I have sources. I think Portland definitely wants to move out of three. And you heard Dustin sort of talking about how enamored the Pacers would be to sort of move up there. I just don't know how you ever make that leap without trading one of the things that we were talking about at the end of the last segment. And this is what is so fascinating, not fascinating. This is what has become so interesting in the last 12 months in the, with this Pacers team is that two players in Miles Turner and Buddy Heald that 12 months ago right now, we were talking about them as value chips, right? I mean, we really were. Like not to dehumanize two really good basketball players and by all accounts, great human beings. That's what they were in the sort of the Pacers puzzle at this time a year ago where they were chips. And then the team started playing and you heard from Dustin in the last segment about the locker room fit and everything like that. And they endeared themselves to the fan base, to all of us so much that it's like the guys that have the greatest value, you'd you're looking at me like I know you're like oh I'll trade you you trade Miles Turner right now wouldn't you if if it meant getting the three I'm not thinking twice about it and that's not to say that I don't like Miles I'm very happy that finally a contract extension was had by both sides and I'm happy that at least for a time we could put the trade rumors to bed it's the off season now though baby those trade rumors are back let's roll I I just look at what this team's going to be in three, four, five years, what you hope it's going to be. And I just don't know if Turner's a part of that. And he's never going to be higher than where he is right now as a 27-year-old that even though he's going to make $20 million next year, close to $21 million, and then just under $20 million in 2024, 2025, that's a two-year deal for a team that, I mean, Portland makes a lot of sense in terms of where the Pacers want to get, but I don't know what's going on in Portland. Like, I don't even know if they'd want Miles Turner. Like, Damian Lillard is... Their crown jewel that continues to be very confusing, that relationship, because he values them and they value him, but they're never in anything anymore because they're past their window. Dame's only shot, if he ever wanted a championship, is not in Portland, and Portland's not contending right now, hence why they are where they are in the draft. So I don't even know if Miles would interest them, but if you're the Pacers, you have to look at this still of what you need from this draft and who's game-changing or not. And... I'm not saying Brandon Miller is guaranteed to be game-changing, but I wouldn't mind a flyer on that if it meant sacrificing Miles. He's going to be gone in two years anyway. Because I guess you could end up, you could ask for like Yusuf Nurkic back, you know, which then you still then fill your five spot with a serviceable body. 
look, there are a lot of different things that go into it. Then there's also sort of the value between the two of them. We talked about this ad nauseum leading up to the Colts draft about looking at those those charts that all the GMs have in terms of how you value or overvalue what your pick is compared to the other ones. Because a lot of times it was, well, will the Colts move from four to one? How much was that value? Did Carolina overpay in that marketplace to be able to do it? And I don't even, I mean, I've just, I've literally just Googled NBA uh, pick value charts and they all seem to be about the same the number three pick is worth 2670 whatever that unit is is that crypto i don't know and the number seven pick is worth 2000 so if a 670 point dollar cent crypto uh, euro i don't know what this is measured in but that's the, the gap between it so the gap from one to three is almost 1400 but the gap from three to six is only 500 and 60. So you would like to think that with a proven piece, which again, I don't know how you then assign that piece to a player as opposed to a pick, but I'm also looking at this, another chart on here, and it says that effectively the Pacers with all of their picks have the same amount of total value of draft picks as the Trailblazers do in this draft. And I think Portland has two first round picks also. So, I mean, you could... You could work around if they're really into it, but I know there's been a lot of conversation from Damian Lillard who's like, look, I'm not here to to babysit and to nurture. Which is very weird. New. Dame's one of my favorite players, but it's very odd because he's very intelligent. You knew what you signed up for. Like, if you wanted to be in a legitimate contender and hadn't happened for the right. first decade of your career, don't keep signing there. Like, loyalty's great, and I admire the heck out of it, but you also shouldn't say, I'm loyal, but then ah, I'm not here to babysit people. And what league is he watching? Like, yeah. look around the league. I mean, guys can come in and have an immediate... I mean, get the number three pick in the draft. Like, you're going to get a guy that can ball. Sure. So, and it's not as if... I, mean, I guess, sort of, if it's Scoot Henderson, if Brandon Miller goes two... And they're left with Scoot Henderson, and so you have another guy that's a two-guard. Like, are you really going to have a two-two-guard lineup? Although it worked out for them with with McCollum. So they've obviously been in this sort of position before to be able to make that happen. That's going to be a tough breakup when it happens because at some point, if Dame really doesn't want to be a babysitter, they're going to have to move him, and it's going to be tough. That contract is just massive. I mean, I don't don't know if – exactly. I don't know if they're at a point where they could move it because – and where does he fit from a super team standpoint? Like, where, I mean, the LA rumors have been there for years. Clippers or Lakers. I mean, Lakers, but yeah, I mean, Clippers sure. Clippers too. would make sense. Yeah. The thought of putting another high level guard that, like, that's why the Kyrie rumors are where they are, is because Dame's a scorer. Like, it's. Yeah. You want a dominant ball figure like that, particularly as LeBron is aging, that can play in the pick and roll with Anthony Davis. But if you're Portland and you're thinking about moving Lillard. For whatever might be, more you, than, yeah, and, you, you're keeping three, and that's for sure. Correct. And that's why you're you're also caught in a hard place there if you're Portland because you're also going to be wanting valuable assets back because Dame is still Dame, but that money is so unappetizing to 90 percent of the league that there's probably not going to be a viable trade partner there. Yeah, and if you truly believe this idea of tears. Portland you're in a position to get a second tier talent whether it's Henderson or Miller in this draft to pair and try and move forward so yeah I I don't um I don't doubt that they want to move down that they're willing to move out of the pick if it gathers them more ready resources and again a lot of players in the lottery like if you're not 
if you're not sold on Brandon Miller for whatever reason it might be, and then you got to get into this quagmire of wings that are associated, then yeah, sure. If you could bring in a veteran, a piece that you can sort of trust and then still get that sort of piece. I mean, it'd be kind of like, it'd be the Pacers situation, right? Like, think about that. If if you didn't, instead of having Benedict Matherin, you had Damian Lillard, <laughs> right? And that, that'd be the same scenario, really. Because if, if you are the Pacers and you move up to three, you're effectively going to have to give Portland one of your, if not two of your top six players, likely in that. It's not going to take draft capital to make that move. So if you move into that position and you give them the seven with Miles Turner and maybe Buddy Heal, that's probably too much salary, but like one of those sort of pieces, then you're effectively just like the flip reverse, only you just don't have Tyrese Halliburton as your point guard. You, instead, you have Damian Lillard as your two, and you're picking from these number of players that were like, what's going to be the best pick at seven for the Pacers this year? Right. You know, who's going to be that wing that's going to pair with our shooting guard of the future and our, you know, five who's giving us all these intangibles? I don't even necessarily know if that's the position they want to be in because we're talking about, oh man, it'd be really great if the Pacers could have that third pick. But if you end up just effectively swapping pieces, then you're saying, oh, great. Hey, Portland, we'll take the three off of your hands and give you kind of the same scenario that we're looking at right now with the seven pick. And that is, you know what you have at the two and you've, again, because this is contingent on the fact that we think that Miles Turner would be the piece that would you'd probably have to use to dangle, to drive into three. And then Portland's doing the same thing. Like, do we want Cam Whitmore? Do we want... Jarese Walker, like, who do we want? I guess the one of the Thompson twins, because I, I think one of them can play point guard. I mean, that'd yep. be that'd be the weird thing. I, I'm getting ahead of myself because I wanted to do the whole let's do a whole bunch of crazy mock trade scenarios for the Pacers <laughs> coming up tomorrow, and let's just get wild and crazy, and maybe even open it up to callers to say I want so and so, and then just do like crazy sports talk radio BS. Well, if you want really crazy sports talk radio BS. Um, it is very, very hard financially to move Miles Turner to Portland because of how over the how cap much they're paying Portland is. In order to get it to happen, this is assuming that Nurkic is is moving in this deal because you need the salaries to match up at some point. They were still about seven million behind the eight ball. This is just picking random players to make it work. You would have to move if you're Portland. Uh, Nazir Little, Shaden Sharp, and Kean Johnson. Ooh. Well, take, just to make I'll the take, money I'll match. Again, I'm just assuming they wouldn't want to give up Anthony Simmons um, because he's four years 22 and still has a lot of meat on the bones as a young player. But again, it just it's very hard from a financial standpoint to make it work. I've seen that they're open to moving Anthony Simons because of Shaden Sharp. Well, if you could do that, then that works easily because the money matches. Mm-hmm. I tried to go super aggressive here for a second while you were going off about trade scenarios Simons. of where, you know, I, I was thinking about, hey, screw it, trade both Heald and Turner. Well, that can't work because can't work. you're twenty, like you're twenty million behind the eight ball. But if you put Simons in there, I mean, it it makes things a little bit easier if that is something that's true that Portland is legitimately willing to move. But him. this is what's so kind of comical about this whole exercise is that if you just remove yourself and then say, I am a Portland Trailblazers fan, I would rather have Miles Turner instead of. Nurkic, and I got to get rid of one of these other guys. And instead of having the third overall pick, I now have the seventh pick. Oh yeah, that's exactly what we need around Damian Lillard to make us a title contender again. I mean, does that really make the future better for Portland? Look, this is a tough pill to swallow, Portland. But your future of any hope of contention is post Dame. 
Like it just not right. Which means this is why it, it's kind of shocking to me <laughs> that Portland really wants to move out. According to again what I've heard that they if they want to move out of three, I think they're trying to keep everybody happy. If they're trying to the keep their, does not want right. to have a rookie there of that power, you'd rather have two proven veterans instead. Okay, fine. And then pick a rookie at seven. Like they're trying to balance relationships at that point with their superstar. If that really is what's at play there, I'm not saying that's but right. Like we've I'm said, just saying that's what they're doing. Lillard has always struck both of us as a very intelligent and realistic True. person. And if he was to, if he were to sit down with us right now and we just played out those two scenarios for him and be like, yeah, you're better off like just taking whoever's at three and if, trying to make. Because what if that guy is the guy? If you're a Portland fan, you're better off trading Dame. Like if someone well, no would take it, that's, that. I mean, no that, that's, that, that. that's the, that's the All right, let's very to, tough pill to let, swallow. Let, but where do the doing. Pacers have to go up to get Damian Lillard? <laughs> let me see, <laughs> see what I can move in this whole To clarify, I'm thing. not against this exercise, but I didn't say bring him here. I just said. All right. So that is, that is one of the 28 potential trade partners that we have exhausted here today. We'll do all the other 28 coming up tomorrow from noon to three here. <laughs> On the on the fan midday show, I am gonna at least try and spend some time tonight looking up like who's the next Pacers team, like who's that team that is willing to take on draft picks because they just need bodies, they just need young capital to sort of move into that. That's gonna be the question I'm gonna have in all of this. Dame from miles straight up, who says no? Dame from miles straight. <laughs> it worked. That would be <laughs> successful. That would be Portland. I think Portland says, says no to that true. one. I'm gonna go Not out if you put on a trade override on. Poor Miles. <laughs> Like Miles is our guy, and it's like, but then when you make the argument to make him somebody else's guy, you go, yeah, they're not saying yes. To that. <laughs> they're not saying yes to that. I mean, there, but you and I both know this. There's a fine line between our love for Miles and the realistic gap. Talk about tears between Damian Lillard and Miles Turner. Well, you know, I'm not saying this in your Damian Lillard. I'm just saying in most trade scenarios. It's like, wow, he was so good last year. He has all this sort of potential. There was, you know, so much smoke around the idea of him going to LA that you, I mean, to the point that he's openly talking about it in the midst of a decent start to the season. It was just sort of laugh. It was laughable at one point in time. Like it was going to sort of happen. And many people listening right now to the show were like, I wished it had happened. And I think many of us, I wasn't necessarily one. I don't like seeing people traded unless it's mutually beneficial for all parties. And I didn't really know that it felt that way. And then to have the start of the season last year, I was happy. It's like, it's a good piece. Like he can be, as we talked about, if he's the third or fourth best player on this team in two years time, because everybody else grows the way that we're expecting it to, that's a, that's a really fun team to be a part of. That could be a really good, you know, threat in the eastern conference playoffs if he's in that position but when you look at it from the other side of like what his value is coming into sort of places and what would have to go back out it's really hard to make it work for a lot of different teams look i've gotten you into a rabbit hole if anybody's (laughs) i'm just killing time here because jimmy is in the playing around mode right now we're just doing all sorts of trades buddy heel tj mcconnell and quiz duarte for damian lillard who says no nba trade machine (laughs) says yes how about that there you go
<laughs> got, got your Duarte answer right there. He's in Portland. Hey, hey we'll even throw Nemhart in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. like, we'll, we'll make it out. Get to keep Miles, buddies in Portland, everybody wins. I mean, if you're having a bad day out there, Indy, and you just want to feel good about your sports teams, just go to any of the trade calculators and just, you know, make up some funny stuff and see if it works out for you. Um, we'll continue playing with trade calculators very, very carefully.